Welcome to the House of Revenue. I'm Mary Grothy, founder and CEO. I love scaling companies to their first 5 million, then 10, 15, and 20. If you've reached a revenue plateau and aren't sure how to get past it, you're in the right place. Listen in as we interview CEOs and solve their most pressing revenue challenges. If you want to be on our show or want to learn more, connect with us at houseofrevenue.com. It's been a big week and I'm ready for a big month. Five speaking engagements, two Denver Startup Week presentations we did this week. One was a CPG panel with my team and one of our clients. And then we had one of my best CEO friends, Amanda Moriucci, CEO at Appet Ventures. We did a joint presentation, ton of fun. Both those videos will be out soon. If you would like to go back and watch those, this coming week is HubSpot's, <laughs> HubSpot's giant conference inbound. I'll be presenting with Kyle Jepson about RevOps in real life. And then RevCon, put on by RevGenius, has me as a speaker to talk about RevOps from dysfunction to holistic revenue scale. Cannot wait for those presentations. Very excited. But it's been a good week. We've had a lot of movement. It's like I swear all we do at this company is movement. One day, one day, one day, one day. I will take a break. Yesterday, Friday was a marathon. I booked myself straight. Did not take one break between my meeting starting at 8 a.m. and my last call wrapped about 5.20 p.m. I haven't done that in a long time. That's not typical. My husband was off of work, so he was able to pick up our kiddo and I just went for it, took advantage of the extra working hours, and boy, was a lot accomplished yesterday. Okay, here's my topic today that it's not about you as a CEO. Big realization for me as I've been on this journey going from being in the spotlight. In fact, I've changed my story a lot. The way I used to introduce myself, I was so proud of the number one rep title, really proud of it. I worked so hard for that. And up until about, I don't know, maybe a year ago when it was brought to my attention that maybe people don't like hearing that type of intro. It's not very humble and it's very braggadocious. And I started to realize, okay, there's probably a different way to talk about my successes and create some credibility without naming every accomplishment I've ever achieved in an intro. And it's interesting because in my journey, I, in my 20s, was a top sales performer. And the the way that I viewed it was I never thought I was good enough. And I didn't believe in my own ability to get things done uh, because I wasn't receiving that from my parents when I was growing up. So I'm growing up in an alcoholic family, I never really got the love and acceptance that most children really crave. So what happened is I carried those wounds into my 20s and I had this belief system that literally nothing I did was ever good enough and that no one could love me and that I, it sounds like a lot of woe is me, but you don't understand it until you've been in that environment. And when you're really 
like it's like ingrained in your DNA and belief system to truly just believe you're not worthy or worth really anything. So I overcompensated. So in my 20s, I actually started to do something with my life and won all those awards and recognitions and became a top sales performer. So like I had all of that became my identity. And for the first time, I started to think maybe I am good at something, but I never really let it in and let it seep in and allowed it to be good enough. So I turned into this crazy monster to overachieve and be number one and yada, yada, yada. Well, I started getting addicted to being in the spotlight. I had so many years where I was craving praise and recognition and really at the bottom of that was just really craving to be loved and accepted and cared for and within my own family. Therefore, I was overcompensating with all of the awards, recognition, and successes being in sales, which by the way, you can get a lot of those if you show up and work hard and do well. So I was addicted to it. It was a drug for me, always winning. And it was where I wanted to be in the spotlight. I wanted to be number one. I wanted people to care about my accomplishments so that in turn, I could feel like I was actually worth something. Well, fast forward a little bit, I really started to heal in my 30s and find peace and love and acceptance in a lot of things, especially with myself. Therefore, I don't need to hear, good job, Mary. Like I don't need the pat on the back anymore like I used to. And I noticed that it has. It, it took a while because I was still telling the same story about being a number one rep and all these accolades. And I thought, wait a second okay, maybe people don't want to hear that side of the story. It was brought to my attention that you don't need to introduce yourself that way. Okay, maybe I'll try and not say all of those things and really just show the credibility and my uh, thought leader status and the way that I handle a conversation with people, Ask, uh, excuse me, answer their questions and whatnot. Well, it started to transition for me just with an intro and how I introduced myself. And it was a cool transformation over the last, I don't know how long it's been, nine to 12 months since I've changed that and realizing people still find value in me and worth and the incredibility. They still sign contracts to work with our company and they don't think that it matters that they don't know that I was a number one rep and I used to tell the whole story. My first year's quota was 150,000. I sold 758,000 in my first year and that was just the beginning of my, okay. I don't have to say that anymore. I can say after an eight-year sales career, I feel fared very well. I love the profession. This is what I did in my journey, yada, yada. Okay, it works out great. Okay, so bear with me here. Long story. (laughs) There's a point, I promise you. This translates into it's not about me. And it's been a transition. I think a lot of CEOs who have been used to being in the spotlight, a lot of CEOs have obviously done great things in their lives. They're wildly talented. I'm guessing that a lot of CEOs who are super mediocre or barely good enough in most things probably don't go start a company. That's just my guess. I think a lot of the CEOs that I've met are quite talented and brilliant. But with that, if you're not careful, can come the ego and the arrogance and the overshadowing of other team members. And as I've been the uh, referred to as the tip of the spear here at our company, for years, I've made it a mission on how do I not have the dependency of people uh, for me to be that tip of the spear? How do I actually raise up talent inside the organization to replace me from all these key important functions? And how do I start stepping out of the spotlight? How do I start stop, well, start to stop 
making it about me and to start making it about the incredible team that we have and the incredible brand and company that we are. And it's easier said than done because I have tendencies that I fall back on as far as what's in my comfort zone and how I'm used to talking about myself. And I love being able to step in. I'm an idea generator. So I'm an idea architect. I'm that inventor type. I always have an idea for everything. Tell me the problem. I have an idea on how to solve it. And sometimes I'll take that hero stance within our client engagements and even internally where it's like, I have an idea. I have an idea. I have an idea. I don't, I would love for my team to tally up how many times a week I say that. But ultimately that creates dependency on me and I'm only one person. And on this journey of scaling, if I've created a dependency on me that things are required to come through me in order to get to the next step, then that's a problem. So how do I reduce that dependency? Well, I have to start shifting it and making it not about me. And I need to allow others to step up into the spotlight, into that next stage, into that next step. Well, the only way to do that is I have to give them what I have. I've got to train, mentor, develop, and really pass the torch. But that is not something that happens overnight. As an example, you guys heard me gush over the exciting news that Brad's stepping into the CRO role, which is technically half of my job. And boy, I had this vision. I'm such a rookie CEO sometimes, <laughs> or maybe I'm just a human. I don't know. <laughs> I had this vision. October 1st, all of a sudden, I'm going to get 30 hours back per week. Ha 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 ha. a joke on me. Yes. But maybe you've done the same thing. You're looking at a milestone, an event, a key hire, and you're like, oh, great. When they come in, they'll take this off of my plate. And then the reality hits, well, they could, but is that setting them up for a success? And don't get me wrong. If I just bailed completely on Brad today, the guy would figure it out and he would flourish and it would probably be fine. But I don't really think that that's fair because I am still here and I still have the time. I also have the wherewithal, the know-how. And there's a really exciting skill that I have, which is this idea generator. And wouldn't it be better if I passed that skill on through training and developing and mentoring other members on the team rather than just cutting it off and then saying, good luck, just do it your way. And the first couple of weeks of this month are, uh, is where we are right now. And I had initially this idea like, oh, my life's going to change. October 1, I won't have to do all of this. And I very quickly realized, well, that's not fair, number one. Why would I just take – please know he's working already a full-time job. He's working more than a full-time job, I'm sure. And – why would I think that I can just take this extra 20 to 30 hours that I currently have and just turn around, dump it on him and say, good luck. Again, I'm sure the guy could figure it out and he probably would turn it around and do a great job, but that's not fair. So as a CEO, where have you done that in your business? Have you found great relief in hiring somebody and you think that this person is going to change everything for you and solve all the company's problems and be the end all be all? How much weight have you put on that person? So I'm putting a lot of weight on Brad. This is a very exciting opportunity. But what I had to do was shift my thinking from it's not a light switch to I used to do that. Now you do that. It's I used to do it by myself, but now I'm going to have a partner in doing it. And we're going to have this overlap and period of time where working together, 
we can probably recreate the way that it was being done in the first place, build something even more powerful and unbelievable for the employee experience as well as the client experience. And then slowly over time, once we get into this brilliant groove where we've leveled up yet again, then I can phase out, then I can step out. And I do believe that over the next couple of weeks, I will start stepping out of some of these pieces. In fact, I'm going to be going to Disneyland and I'm making a commitment to actually go to Disneyland and like go, like be there, not just go and like have my nose and my phone the whole time. I'm making a commitment to be with my family and I'm going to absolutely shut myself off for three days. I'm going to prep my team ahead of time and I'm going to bravely go and just totally trust that everything is going to be fine. And whatever it is that needs my attention, the team can figure it out and solve it. And then when I come back, I have complete trust that we're going to be in a great spot. But going back to this transition standpoint, it's not about me anymore. I no longer need to be the hero in situations. Wouldn't it be amazing if I could take this hero status that I have been for four years now and train up five other heroes inside the company? Shoot, let's just like train up two. Let's start there. How about three? What if we train up? other heroes. So now when we're looking at this element of scale, the buck doesn't have to stop at me. It could actually stop at any of our executives, any of our VPs. But I have to ask myself, what am I doing today to put that in place so that those VPs and executives can take that role and can fully step in and have that confidence and ability to be brilliant in that. So that was the shift in me that I have to come back down from my head in the clouds. I was dreaming about like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have someone take over half my job and I won't have to do it. And reality is, yeah, I could do that. That's probably not a really nice thing to do to him. And he'd figure it out. He'd get it done. He would be fine, but it's not nice. So and I, I think I'm a nice person. Plus two is better than one. He's brilliant in his role. He totally redefined how I had done the VP of revenue role previously. And that's how I had trained up all the other VPs of Rev. And Brad came in and learned it my way. And then he started doing it uh, his way, which, by the way, was far better than I had ever done it, which is why he's in the position now. But I'm thinking to myself, cool. So we did that already once. We did that in Q1 of this year. Let's do it in Q4, the Brad and Mary show. Let's reinvent this and let's figure out our internal processes. Let's redesign it. Let's take all the data points. Two is better than one. And we can just commit over the next few months and let's fine tune all of it, create the game plan, get it in motion, and then I'll just slowly start phasing out of that. So checkbox number one, when you do bring on that brilliant hire or you promote somebody from within, it doesn't end at the promotion or the hire date. And I think the acknowledgement that a lot of CEOs feel like, well, I brought this person on or I just promoted them. So it's like, hold on. You've got to make the investment in them. These are human beings. Yeah, I'm sure they're great. But if you have an option to just put in a little extra effort to take them to the next level in a shorter amount of time, wouldn't that be a good idea? And so that is the checkbox there. So the second area of the checkbox is really 
digging in internally, where are you being the hero in the company? Where are you in the spotlight and you don't need to be? Something that I noticed in one of our recent client kickoffs is the CEO, he's a really big personality. He's a super likable guy. Really, I'm crazy about him. I just think he's a tremendous leader and I love what he has built in his company. But something that was very admirable, that was very eye-opening for me is we are in a collaborative conversation with his six-person team and he said, I want to be the last one to talk. I asked a question to the team. He said, I have an answer for this, but I want to be the last one to talk. Sweet. I don't think I've ever said I want to be the last one to talk when a question gets posed to my team. I think I jump at the chance to answer it, to dump out everything that I know. And I don't think I set my team up to even be charged with having to be complex thinkers when I'm in the room because I just jump in and answer the question. I love doing that. I I love it because I love the work that we do. And it comes naturally to me and, and it brings me so much joy. But it's not about me anymore. Maybe when we were 10 employees, like I could do that, but we're not. Like we might be 30 employees by the end of the year. And if I do not train up the next generation of leaders inside of this company, I'm going to forever have my my job description that I have to answer all the tough questions. And so that was a big realization for me over the last couple of weeks is it's not about me. So CEO who's listening to this, it's not about you. There is a time and a place for you to be the knowledge expert, for you to be the driver. But if your goal long-term is to not be a lifestyle business and it is to genuinely scale the company, the quicker that you can start training up the group below you and raising up those leaders, the quicker you're going to be able to move on to the next role. Such a great call out for me. And I'm tasking myself now looking at the meetings I have upcoming on the calendar, looking at the rocks that we've assigned to ourselves this quarter, looking at our next L10. And I'm asking myself, what am I going to do in those meetings? What am I going to do in my weekly one-on-ones with my exec team to empower them to answer the question? Where am I going to create pause when they ask me on how to do something so that I can consciously suppress that desire to just answer the question and ask them a question instead of me answering it to help guide them down the path of becoming that critical thinker to solve that question on their own. So that's what I'm tasking myself with. This is my new assignment. I'll make it my rock for this quarter is to be intentional and purposeful on training up this next generation of leaders inside of my company because I cannot achieve the vision that I have for my role until this is accomplished. So I'm excited. That's what I'm going to be working on. Hopefully that's encouraging for you to figure out how figure out how you do it. And I know we have non-CEOs that listen to this show. So translating it for you, look at your direct reports, look at the people you're surrounding yourself with, even if you're an individual contributor role and you have counterparts in other divisions, how are you being a great natural leader for them? What are you doing to be a stand-up human being in your role? Well, that's my homework. Hope it's encouraging for you. Have a great week. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're interested in being on our show or want to learn more about how we can help you scale your company, connect with us at houseofrevenue.com or with me, Mary Grothy, spelled G-R-O-T-H-E on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram.